You're listening to the Goal Line Stand Podcast with Jackson Caudell and Kobe Reed, where we break down all things college football, including breaking news, recruiting, gameplay, and more. Let's get straight to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Goal Line Stand Podcast. This is Jackson Caldwell. That is Kobe Reed. And we've been talking about it for like two weeks now. We've had our eyes on this slate, our eyes on this episode. I mean, are we ready to roll or are we ready to roll, Kobe? Dude, I mean, it seems like every other week we're talking about this is the biggest weekend of college football, but this one literally might take the cake. Like, I haven't seen this many ranked matchups in a while, especially like high-ranked matchups that we're going to get to. It's going to be awesome, man. Yeah, I saw a, a stat today from the Bear on ESPN. This is only the second time in college football history that we have three matchups of teams of 5-0 and or better. Obviously, Bama, Tennessee, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Penn State, Michigan. I mean, this is going to be a contender, you know, step guys or yep. teams stepping forward as contenders, teams getting exposed a little better. Maybe it's just both teams are good and and we'll see what happens. But we won't bear we won't bear anything too long. We got a lot of games to get to. And I mean it's it's I mean you know what we're starting out with. Like that there's there is no in all the games this weekend, there is no bigger game than the one in Knoxville. I've got my thoughts on it, but I mean, obviously, Kobe's going to start first. I mean, there, there's no way he doesn't. Kobe, I mean, seven point spread. Is Bryce Young going to play? Is he not going to play? Is is Bama in trouble? Man, from everything I'm hearing, it sounds like everybody that's reporting from Bama, they're confident that Bryce Young is going to be able to come back and play this game. But uh, watching the uh, late kick live with Josh Pate. He made an interesting take that there's probably a good 55, 60% chance that Bryce plays. Um, it's really a flip of a coin right now. Um, after hearing that, it's kind of, I don't know, because Saban is such a mastermind at keeping these things under wraps. He's not going to let anybody know until it is game time. I mean, clearly we saw that against Texas A&M. But also, you talked about it before the show, I don't think that, Bama would be minus seven in Neyland Stadium without Bryce Young. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Caesars would put that up if Bryce Young wasn't playing. So it sounds like Bryce is playing. I hope he does, but also if, if it means it's going to hinder him for the rest rest of the season. Because here's the outlook. I don't think anybody's really looked at. Even if Bama does lose this game to Tennessee. Their destiny is still in their future. I mean, they beat AM. and As long as you beat Mississippi State, handle your business against Ole Miss. If it means that Bryce is healthy for both of those games and we have to just take our licks against Tennessee, I would rather that happen if we're looking at long term. Of course, I want to see Alabama at their best. I want to see Tennessee at their best just because you want to see good football played. And this has been a rivalry that has been on the back burner in the SEC for a long time. But back in like the late 90s, this rivalry was everything. I mean, yeah, you had Auburn and um, Alabama, fine. But if you go back and talk to a lot of old heads, they'll sit there and tell you they hate Tennessee more than anybody. Mm-hmm. If you talk to anybody out of Tuscaloosa over the age of 40, they'll sit there and tell you that they probably hate Tennessee over anybody. So this rivalry, it's good to see it back back in action. Uh, Tennessee, I think right now they haven't beaten Saban at all since his tenure started at Alabama. So maybe this is the year they do it. Maybe it's not. But here's the interesting thing I I saw uh, on Twitter the other day. 
Anthony Richardson against Tennessee went 453 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 10.3 yards per yards per attempt, 62 rushing yards and two rushing yards or two rushing touchdowns against Tennessee. Anthony Richardson against everybody else in five games, he had 729 passing yards, so only 145 passing yards uh, per game, uh, three touchdown to six interception ratio, 7.2 yards per attempt, 224 rushing yards, only 44 per game, and three rushing touchdowns. That right there, it very much surprises me because I don't think Tennessee has played anybody that can really just air it out like that, and that includes Florida. And Anthony Richardson still had 400-something passing yards and two touchdowns against this Tennessee defense. This Tennessee front seven, out of this world. They're flying around. They're sideline to sideline. It's going to be interesting because Bama has the number three rushing offense in the country. When you have guys like Jameer Gibbs, uh, Roydell Williams, Jace McClellan, you got a stable of backs that can get it done, even if we have to play a backup quarterback. It's going to be a dogfight in the trenches. But here's the thing. What are the odds we see Ty Thompson? Five-star true freshman. What are the odds? Because if we have Jalen Milrow and he comes out three turnovers in the first half, you have a guy in Ty Thompson that can throw the ball. And I would be willing to say he can throw the ball better than Jalen Milrow right now. And he is a true freshman. The guy has immaculate arm talent. The moment would definitely be too big. Like there's no denying that. But if Bryce doesn't play and we can't get any big plays through the air, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ty Simpson. I really wouldn't. Now, is it a stretch? Can we win the game with Ty Simpson? I have no idea. But if we are struggling in the turnover department, if we're struggling passing the football, it would not surprise me if we see him. But if Bryce Young does play, I am very, very comfortable with Alabama's chances against Tennessee simply because I don't even expect Bryce to come in and air it out for 300 yards. I just know Bryce will not turn the ball over. And that is the biggest thing. If we can control the turnovers and let the running game do its thing, Bryce short passes here and there, let the wide receivers work because they are talented enough to do that. I think Alabama wins. If Bryce doesn't play, it's going to be interesting. I still like Alabama. I think our running game can do enough to get us the win as long as we can take care of the football. And honestly, I think Alabama has the best defense to match up to Hendon Hooker in that high-powered offense. I don't think they've played a defense as physical. I don't think they've played guys as physical on the back end. And I don't think he or anybody else in the country has seen a pass rush like Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell. It's going to be an awesome game. If Bryce plays, I like him by seven. I think that I think that spread is even. But if Bryce doesn't play, it's going to be a dogfight, but I still think Bama can pull it out. Yeah, I mean, I – I was actually – I'm glad you made the point because I was going to make the point about – I still think Tennessee secondary is very suspect. And, and as much – I've come around on Tennessee. I know I wasn't a Tennessee believer at the beginning of the year, but I've, I've, come, a, I've come around. I, they're in like the mid-80s or something in pass yeah. defense. And the thing is, that's not good because I don't think they've even faced a good throwing quarterback. Like uh, Anthony Richardson is talented, but their receivers aren't that good. Like Florida should not be throwing for 400 yards on anybody, like yeah. anybody. Keaton Slovis, I've seen him. No, he's not that good. And so that just – and then we know Jaden Daniels can't throw. So I I like, I like Bama to score a lot here. Now, I think the question is – and this was something I was going to ask you. Like I think Bama's defense is really good. But it's like Will Anderson or bust. 
Will Anderson doesn't make plays. So, I, I don't know. I feel like the secondary can be had in, in in some ways. I don't know what what your thoughts are on that. I know we've talked about Bama's secondary before, but well, here's the thing. And uh, if you go back and watch the Texas A&M game, I mean, we had what 19 QB pressures. I mean, mm-hmm. Haynes King was under duress all night long, but Will Anderson didn't have that many sacks. I think maybe he had one and a half, two at the most. He didn't have that many sacks. But still being being able to get that pressure on the quarterback, it sets up our DBs to make plays. And there was a time where Haynes King just threw up a ball just because he had three rushers in his face, and Terry on Arnold comes down with the pick. I We haven't seen Hennon Hooker pressured like that. And I understand he is electric with his feet. He can run the ball. He can extend the play. It's going to be interesting, but also he hasn't been tested like that this year. So, and with that being said, I'm not even sure if Cedric Tillman's playing. They have Brew McCoy. He's come out of the woodworks. He's playing phenomenal. Their running game is phenomenal. But as physical as our defense plays and the zone scheme that Saban loves to run, I feel, honestly, I'm very confident in our back end because nobody's really challenged Kool-Aid McKintry, uh, McKintry like that this year. He's locked down, locked down that entire half of the field unless they can throw a five-yard hitch route here and there on second down or something like that. But mm-hmm. honestly, they're throwing it deep on Terry and Arnold a lot of the time. And he played a lot of coverage snaps against Evan Stewart last week. He won some, he lost some, but I say he did pretty daggum well against a talented guy like um, Evan Stewart. And then we got guys like Jordan Battle, Brian Branch. He may be Minka Fitzpatrick 2.0 in our defense. He plays star nickel position. He can come off, he can come off the edge. He can blitz. He can play in the box. He can drop back and play zone. As far as it being Will Anderson or bust, I see what you're saying because that, I mean, what what secondary wouldn't love to have that pass rush helping? Yeah. You know what I I'm saying? I guess the better way I should have phrased it is maybe not Will Anderson bus, but pass rusher bus. Like, yeah. and this can go for any defense. Like, it may be like I'm captain obvious here, but I feel like when Bama doesn't get pressure, like I feel like their secondary gives up more than I'm used to seeing an Alabama secondary give yeah. up. That makes sense. So, yeah. That's where I'm I'm not concerned because I think like I'm not picking a, like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are gonna get like Bama's gonna get pressure, but to me that's the key factor for Tennessee. If you can hold up against Bama's pass rush, like I, I think Tennessee can score on them. I I, yeah. I really do. My thing is I, I I just think Alabama can score more. Like I I I don't trust even Tennessee. without Bryce Young. That's a different question now. If, if <laughs> Bryce Young doesn't play, I'm I'm going with the assumption he plays because Whenever I see a spread that maybe surprises me or maybe I have to question myself, I always remind myself, Vegas is smart. I'm stupid. Like, there, there's just – and we'll, I will get to that exact game here in a in another sense in a minute. So, yep. like, I, I just don't see why this there, – there's no way this line is minus eight if Jalen Milrow plays. This is probably a pick because the game's in Knoxville. So, yeah. I'm comfortable picking Bama. I think they, they've got to start fast, though. Like, I don't know if you – I forget the exact numbers, but Tennessee has, like, a crazy – Oh, their first margin. quarter um, – yeah, Their first quarter score margin with, with Josh Heupel is pretty insane. Like, yeah. if Bama starts off slow and they let Tennessee get going, like, that place is going to be on fire. Like, it's yeah. going to be crazy. Like, if Bama can go in there and, and they don't have to jump out to a 20 to nothing lead or something, but – if they can go in and start fast, they can't go in, and go three and out, and then let Tennessee do the the big play stuff that they do because that that's yeah. that's what they're gonna do. I like Bama. I think I'm gonna go like 41, 31, something like that. Like I think it'll yeah. be. 
close all the way through, and then Jameer Gibbs touchdown with like five minutes to go, put him up ten, game over. So Jameer Gibbs over under 150 rushing yards. What are you taking? Under. Just I, I, if Bryce Young plays, and I, I know like obviously he hurt his shoulder a couple weeks ago. Maybe they don't want to put a lot on him. I just think like this is a game Bama can throw the ball. Like the, this yeah. is going to be a game, but not not that now Jameer Gibbs could get that in like three carries because of how just explosive and fast he is. And if he hits some some big – like, Jameer Gibbs is the kind of guy I could see having 12 carries for 160 yeah. yards because he hit two 50-yard runs. So Because Bama's offensive line, they have progressed week to week, especially in the run game. They look really, really good, especially that, Tyler Steen, the transfer from Vanderbilt. Yeah, and that Texas game, I was like, uh-oh. That, that we, we, I, mean, I think I said the same thing on yeah. our reaction pod. Like, that looked like the Auburn game last year. That looked like the LSU game last year where Bama couldn't block nobody, and then that kind of hurt their offense. So yep. their, their offensive line has been a lot better. Tennessee's defensive line is good. I, I It's not – I don't think it's going to be the uh, – I Tennessee think it's their State front seven team. unit as a whole. Like yeah, linebackers that, include, they're just – they play good. They play fast. I think so. you'll see a better defensive line uh, against Mississippi State next week. But – I, I like Bama here. Like I, I think I'm I'm ready for this game. I just I want to watch the game. Like th- this game is going to be fun. Um, I I don't think it's a blowout. Like I, I there's a world in which I can't see Bama coming in there and slapping them in the face just because it, it's Alabama and that's that's what they do. But no, nah, like when the when the chips are stacked against them, Saban just pulls out a fifty-two to twenty-eight. <laughs> The pub, the, the pub, the public's on Tennessee. Everybody's talking about Tennessee, and it's, you know, poor old Rat Alabama. Poison. Yeah, poor old Alabama. <laughs> Everybody's against them, you know. But so we both like Bama there. Let's wind the clock back about three and a half hours to a game that's going to be, I think, a little bit lower scoring, but is going to be pretty impactful. And that's Penn State, Michigan. Um, Michigan started out with, I think, the worst non-conference schedule a college football team has played. And college football has been going on since, like, the 1890s, and Michigan's non-conference schedule this year is probably the worst of all time. They faced UConn, Hawaii, Colorado State. All of those teams rank 125 or worse in, in most power ratings you're going to see. They, they've been okay since. Like, they haven't been terrible, but, like, Maryland, Maryland could have beat them. I mean, they, they the Iowa game, I don't know what to do because I really – just watching that game, I think Michigan went in there and said, okay, all we got to do is score 14 points and we're beating Iowa. Like, there's just yeah. no – there was – Michigan wasn't going to go in there and try to beat them by 60. Once they got up by a couple scores, like, they just run the ball, Blake Corum, and Iowa wasn't going to score. And then, I like, last week, you know, with the, the Mike Hart stuff on the sideline and hope he's feeling better and everything – that would kind of shake me if I was a player. And you saw a lot of them were real emotional on the sidelines. And then once the second half come and they kind of got themselves together, they dominated Indiana. Like that game got worse. So I'm, I'm willing to chalk that up as something, but I'm very like, I don't know what to think of either of these teams. I was obviously on Penn state at the beginning of the year. Give me the Nittany Lions to go into Ann Arbor and win that game. I, I like them to win a, a low scoring game. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. I don't have a reason not to. Yeah. Um, I think their their running game and their offensive line is so much better than it's been since probably Miles Sanders was there in 2017. I mean, or 2018, maybe it was. I, I think I don't trust Sean Clifford, but I, I think that the 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 pass defense for Penn State is going to force Michigan into a lot of third and longs. That, that's I think that's the best secondary in the Big Ten. JJ McCarthy, I still think is really talented, but I don't. He hasn't. He's he just hasn't been, popped out yet. He hasn't. He hasn't right. had that game yet. 
And again, not that he can't, but I just yeah. I haven't seen him to the point where I'm like, okay, Michigan's passing offense is a plus. Like uh, that that's yeah. a big plus on their side. I think this is like take the under in this game. I think it was like 51 and a half. I would take that under. I think it's going to be yeah. something like 24-20 type game. Um, but give me Penn State to go on the road and show why I picked him at the beginning of the year to be the second best team in the Big Ten East and get ready for a monster almost Halloween showdown with Ohio State in a couple weeks. I like that pick because, honestly, I didn't expect Penn State to play that well this year. I really haven't. Sean Clifford, I mean, Buddy's been there for almost 10 years, and he's finally figuring it out. They're winning games. They're a good team. They're really finding a way to win games. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I understand the whole narrative that Michigan, they've had, probably had the easiest schedule out of any major Power 5 school up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, until somebody can stop them, I don't think anybody can. Their their rushing offense is absolutely amazing. Blake mm-hmm. Quorum and the gang, they're they're winning, and they're winning it with ease. It feels like they can run the ball, and like you said with JJ McCarthy, it's we haven't seen that game from them, and maybe this is it. We don't know because honestly, it feels like Michigan can go and in, go into this game and win just by running the ball the way they have been all year, and also. I like Michigan's defense more than I like Penn State's defense. Michigan's really? defense, Michigan's defense. I mean, they're fifth in the country in yards allowed. Um, they're fourth in points allowed. I mean, granted, they haven't played the most upstanding competition, but also they're playing good football and they're flying around. Mm-hmm. And like you said, do you trust Sean Clifford to really make enough big plays for that to happen? Because a lot of Penn State's game has been predicated on, okay. Their running game's playing good. Sean Clifford isn't turning the ball over. They haven't really been under duress this year. I mean, even against Auburn, I mean, dude took a lick and got back up, and they still won 40-10 to 10 or something like that. Like, they haven't been under duress. I feel like Michigan can put Sean Clifford under duress, and they can, he can resort kind of back to the Sean Clifford we've seen in past years to where the moment just might be a little too big and he just can't pull it out. So yeah. give me Michigan. I'm with you. I think it is a very low-scoring game, and I think it is physical. But I think Michigan ends up pulling away at some point, and I don't see Penn State being able to catch up. So, like, Blake Corum is really good. I think Penn State has a better duo. Like, Nick Singleton, I think, is yeah. just on the same talent level. And um, I think turnovers, like, like almost every Big Ten game, I feel like turnovers are going to be just super key in this one. Like who maybe yeah. can set up a short field and who, who can take advantage of that. I, I'm really just excited to see this one because I don't think either one of them have played anybody. And, like, yeah. that's the only thing I've held about Michigan's um, defense is, I mean, like, come on. Okay, Hawaii, UConn, Colorado State. Maryland's <laughs> offense is pretty good, and they yeah. put 27 on them. So yeah. – and, like, don't even talk to me about Iowa. Their offense might be worse than UConn's. So, it, <laughs> it's – um, yeah, I, I, I th- this one's going to be close and competitive, probably low scoring and ugly, but g- give me Penn State. The other matchup of undefeateds that that, that is there, and I, one that will probably – I think the over-under set at 71. Um, Oklahoma State, TCU, Big 12 shootout here. You know, the, the winner gets to – Probably claim they're the best team in the Big 12. Not, not, you know, Texas is still back there lurking as my number four rated power rating team. Um, but, man, the, the, this one is – you know, Oklahoma State's defense has just seen a massive drop-off. You know, I know losing Jim Knowles and guys they were obviously going to, but I thought Derek Mason might do a little bit of a better job because that man can coach defense. And maybe it's just 
first year of the scheme type stuff, but their secondary is very suspect. And, and I said that now their defense, they can get pressure. They, they're one of the top uh, defensive lines, I think, honestly, in the country. I've watched them, and I'm really impressed with the defensive line, but their secondary is ooh, not very good. And I think that's going to be a problem against guys like Quentin Johnston and, and Tay Barber and those receivers. I like TCU here. I, TCU's defense I'm still not bought into but I'm not bought into Oklahoma State's is the same thing. And I, I trust Max Duggan more, and that's evidence because Jalen Daniels is hurt, and I picked Max Duggan up on my fantasy team. So the trust factor with me and him is obviously there at this point. So yeah. I like them to go go win a high-scoring game, both teams in the 30s. Give me Sonny Dykes and TCU. They keep rolling. If you had to take a guess, I don't know if you've looked at this or not. You probably have. You're a well-informed guy. Who do you think averages more points per game between these two? Probably Oklahoma State. They're actually both tied at third. They both average 46.4. Okay, because I know Oklahoma State has interesting. real soft teams at the beginning of the year. I know they yeah. put some points on Central Michigan. So, But, yeah, that, that is pretty, pretty it's interesting. It's interesting, but if you, go, if you go down and look at their stats, it looks like – TCU's doing it at such a higher level. But like like you said, Oklahoma State's defense isn't what it was or what it has been in the past. Their offense, I mean, you don't have any of those big brand first-round wide receiver guys. You know what I'm saying? You don't mm-hmm. have any of those on the Oklahoma State defense or Oklahoma State offense, but yet they're still – averaging the same amount of points as TCU. Granted, the level of competition may be different here and there, but I, give me Oklahoma State because every time I bet against Oklahoma State, and I've said this before, somehow they end up pulling out a win. And they're one of those teams every single year where they just silently win games and they can either make it to the Big 12 championship or make it to a bowl game. And their season doesn't end how you think it would having a coach that's been there for that long. But every year they're silently winning, consistently winning games. Give me Oklahoma State. I think they can play sound football. TCU, if you take away the big plays, I, I'm i really comfortable with Oklahoma State. Yes. See, like T- Oklahoma State this year has been that I, I check in on them every now and then, and they're doing something weird. Like I checked, I yeah. kept checking in on them, and there's like, near the end of the third quarter and Texas takes win and I'm like okay and then uh, they were up 48 to 14 on Central Michigan then all of a sudden Central Michigan has like 38 points and it's like yeah what's going on here um they there was some weird stat I saw they've been outgained in like three of their last four games and they still won yep I just now my worry my worry thing about picking TCU is it's a letdown like you're just coming off you whooped Oklahoma you had a, a, a weird a dog fight against Kansas. <laughs> a dog fight in Lawrence, Kansas. And like, yep. it's hard to just walk into Lawrence, Kansas and come out with a victory, as we all know. So it's, yeah. And that can they keep it rolling? You know, Oklahoma State, they struggled a little bit with Texas Tech. I, I thought they played well against Baylor, but like Baylor, I don't know that they're that good. Like, they, they're kind of what I thought they were at the beginning of the year and just they're average to me. Um, but I, I just think it's going to be a fun game, and it's it's going to be on TV number two for me. Obviously, Bama Tennessee in that time slot takes the yep. cake. But you know, I'll be I'll be glancing over every now and then, seeing what Spencer Sanders, and Max Duggan are cooking up over there. But man, a three thirty game. Also, it's a huge ACC game. It has an undefeated team in it, but it's not the one you think, and it's Syracuse. 
they I have no idea what to do with this game because I don't think Devin Leary's playing. And that, that oh, if really? Watch, yeah, well, Syracuse is a four point favorite. So there's no way yeah. Devin Leary's playing. Like they like even in Syracuse, if Devin Leary's playing, they're at least a slight favorite. Yeah. But NC State's backup quarterback did not complete a pass in the second half last week, which may make you think, oh, Syracuse, easy. There is something about this game that says NC State's defense is going to win this game. There, this If you think Penn State Michigan is going to be low scoring, buddy, let me tell you something. NC State Syracuse is coming because there may be like, I don't know if we're going to hit the 30s in the total here because yeah. I see NC State, it's going to be gross. I, th- I could see NC State winning this like 16 to 10 or something like that. Just everybody's on Syracuse. Devin Leary's not playing. Syracuse is going to be undefeated. They got to go to Clemson next week. It's going to be a big game. Nope. Nope. N- I, I, I'm not even an NC State believer. Or not as much as Kobe. I'll say that. But it, their defense is the best unit on this field Saturday. The, the, that's the one part of NC State I do trust. Their defense is nasty. Uh, in, Syracuse is a good team, and I think it's to put it into context, they they had a four-and-a-half win total. They've already hit that. They're one win away from a bowl game. Their schedule is about to get real tough real quick. I mean, they got Clemson next week, and they still got games against Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State. They got games coming. So, yeah. give me NC State in a low-scoring game. Yeah, give me NC State. I I trust their defense. Now, my belief that they're going to end up winning the ACC and be a playoff team, my preview prediction for NC State – out the window. It's the same way with Michigan State. I mean, there's just some teams they just let you down, man. Could you but, imagine that offense in the playoff? Holy, dude. That'd be, <laughs> I mean, honestly, Cincinnati's team last year that made the playoffs would beat this NC State team with ease. Yeah. But if you go back and look, I mean, NC State, they've had to play Texas Tech. They've had to play Clemson. They've had to play Florida State. They've had to play all these teams. Can you tell me the hardest team on Syracuse's schedule up to this point? UConn. <laughs> I mean, I guess Louisville, it's doable in all seriousness, but I, Louisville, Purdue. I mean, okay, Purdue's a good team, and I agree with you. Syracuse has not really played anybody. That's I think the bigger point here. But here's the know. thing: NC State has made it past the bulk of their season. I mean, legitimately speaking, yeah, they still got to play North Carolina. They still got to play some high-powered offenses down the road. But NC State, it doesn't get any harder than having to play Clemson and Florida State back-to-back and playing an air raid offense like Texas Tech. It doesn't get much harder than that. Give me NC State because I don't think – I think Syracuse is kind of on their little Cinderella tour right now, and it's going great. It's almost kind of like Kansas, but at least with Kansas, they've they've proven that they can beat high-commodity football teams. Syracuse, Syracuse, I I don't trust it. Give me NC State. And this isn't – like, this is not me saying Syracuse is not good. Don't give it – Syracuse yeah. is way better than what they were last year. And, you know, ever because they haven't made a bowl game since they won 10 games in 2018 and kind of surprised everybody. they kind of been on a downward swing, and then they've kind of shocked everybody. They're a real – if you look at their schedule, like, they they start out 5-0, and they can finish 6-6. Six and six. Like, yeah. I mean, they got, like I said, they got Clemson in Death Valley next week. That's a, probably an L. They still got Florida State. They got Pitt, Beast. Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame, Wake Boston Forest, College, Wake Forest, Boston College is a game they can probably win. Like yep. that's the game they're gonna have to circle. Like we gotta beat Boston College and get into a bowl game. Like we gotta yep. do it. And like Pitt's weird enough. Like I could see him beating Pitt. I mean, yeah. as we all know, they they they've. I don't know. It's at Pitt. Don't make me say it. So, um, <laughs> you know, 
I think it's it's going to be – I don't know how much – I'll have to probably go back and rewatch this game but because I don't know how much I'm going to get to it because it's on that – like 3.30 slate's loaded. So, um, man, let's go to my team, you know, that they are nine-point dogs in Norman, Oklahoma. Jalen Daniels is out. We don't know how long he's out because there was a report that said he's out for the year, and then Jalen Daniels and Lance Leipold get on social media and start start tweeting and make it sound like he's not. So, who knows? But our, you know, Superman Jason Bean, the best backup quarterback in America, is is coming in to save the day. He looked good last week. Like I don't think it there was, was any really good about it. And I, I, you know, he started some last year, and I think Jalen just the emergence of Jalen Daniels kind of put him on the back burner a little bit. But if you think for one minute I'm getting off this train after one tough loss, and if you think for one minute I'm picking this Oklahoma team the way they've been playing the last three weeks, you yeah. are so far wrong that there is no helping you. Give me the Jayhawks. I would take. There is no number I wouldn't take this at. It's, it, they'll cover the spread. They'll win outright. Take them on the money line. Jason Bean is walking into Northern Oklahoma, and he's walking out with a dub. And Kansas will be bowl eligible after this weekend. I had I had to pick TCU last week. I had to do it. I, know. I, I just felt like the train was going to come to an end. But guess what, baby? The world is still a better place because the Kansas Jayhawks – they're only going to have one loss after this weekend. That is not changing. They will beat this Oklahoma team. And honestly, even with a backup quarterback, this Oklahoma defense is piss poor, man. Yes. I, and it surprises me so much. I'm a Brent Venables guy. I'm a defensive guy. I love any defensive coach. This surprises me. Like, honestly, I thought Oklahoma's offense would have struggles. I know they got Dylan Gabriel in the transfer portal. Uh, they still got some guys at receiver that can make plays. They still got some runbacks that can make plays. But I was looking at this team to bank on how good their defense would be. At least their defense is compared to the Lincoln-Riley era. This defense is pitiful, man. And mm-hmm. it scares me because I don't know if we got to get a full year under the belt. I mean, he's if any first-year coach is going to have their growing pains, but I didn't think it would be this bad. Give me the Jayhawks. They're still making the world a better place. After this win, they're one step closer to solving world hunger. I think Kansas pulls out a big win. So, like, you know how TCU and Texas have just had these, like, I don't know if it's Oklahoma coverage busts or TCU and, and Texas have these guys just running wide open just everywhere. You think with all that, I mean, you watched Kansas, I spoke with all that dang motion Lance Leipold has, these guys yep. going back and forth and scheming open. You don't think they're going to have, like, three touchdowns like that this week? Like, there's yep. no way they don't. Like, that. that's my biggest thing is, like, Oklahoma's defense looks lost absolutely lost and just Lance Leipold can scheme it uh, like that. He is a scheme guy because Kansas doesn't have NFL guys that just get open. Like Kansas yeah. has to do stuff like Lance Leipold's going to get those guys open and Jason Bean's going to be tossing dimes this weekend. So I'm, I'm all aboard the train still until I have a reason to get off of it. And this Oklahoma team has shown me absolutely no reason to do that. So give me Jayhawks all day long, baby. So we'll hit one more before we hit the break, and we'll stick with the noon slate because I may have misspoke earlier, NC State-Syracuse being the worst and ugly game of the day. I forgot about a Big Ten West collision that's got a a pair of teams that only have one loss. This is actually – like you think we we would uh, not talk about this game because of the teams involved, but this has divisional implications for whoever gets slaughtered by Ohio State at the end of the year. So Minnesota and Illinois – is going to be just a delightful football game to watch. And 
I think Tommy DeVito is out for Illinois. So old friend Arthur Stankowski, who has been in college football for – I remember him at Rutgers. So he's been around for a while. He's not very good. Yep. <laughs> and Minnesota's defense is really good. There, I, There's no way I'm picking Arthur Stankowski to win a game here. Get, I, I'm still on my Minnesota Golden Gophers. I'm, my confidence yep. is a little shaken in how they looked against Purdue. Tanner Morgan turning the ball over. I think Mo Ibrahim is supposed to be back this week, though. First one to 17 wins because this Illinois defense legit is very legit. Because, yeah, yeah, because I, you, Wisconsin's running back Braylon Allen, you look at his game log, is he's got like 90 yards, 100 yards, he had like 150, he had 95 against Ohio State. You know how many he had against Illinois? Two, he had two, he had two yards, two yards. So, um, Ryan Walters has been talked about. I know he's mentioned for the Colorado job. He is a very good defensive coordinator. Like this, this Illinois defense is very, very legit. And if if they have, that's why. Like you know, just because they have Sitkowski doesn't mean they're automatically going to get blowout because they have one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. And that's that's no lie. Like that, Illinois legitimately has one of the best defenses in the Big Ten, and they may have the best second best running back in the Big Ten after Travion Henderson and Chase Brown. This cat has been putting up over hundred yards. And Mayan Williams. Well, yeah, and uh, and even Blake Corman, Nick Singleton, yeah. like Chase Brown belongs in that conversation. Like I might he's take, in that upper echelon in the Big he's Ten. Very good. Like Illinois yeah. is good. I, I I like to see them ranked. You know, it's not the prettiest football you're ever going to see, but I just Tommy DeVito is a as a above average quarterback, and he means a lot to them. Give me Minnesota. Yeah, give me Minnesota, and I'm glad you elaborated on how good uh, Illinois' defense is, but here's the thing. Minnesota's defense is just as good. Where Illinois ranks first in the country in points uh, points per game allowed, Minnesota ranks second. Where yep. Illinois ranks second in yards uh, per game allowed, Minnesota ranks first. It's going to be a defensive matchup, and I love this kind of football, baby, but here's the thing. Minnesota's offense is just that much more superior in my eyes. I think Minnesota, they can pull away from this game. I feel like they can put up more points, be able to win. It'll be a very good game. Like you said, it will have Big Ten contender implications, but either way, I don't see either one of them. Say the word contender lightly. (laughs) Yeah, it's just – Big Ten West contender. Yeah, Big Ten West contender. Either way, I feel like this will be a very, very good game. It's really, it's going to get overlooked just compared to the rest of the slate on Saturday. But give me Minnesota. On at the same time as Penn State, Michigan, yeah. and Kansas, Oklahoma's on it. It's like the set noon slate, and it's just because of the bre- like. I like watching two good defenses go together, and like these aren't the greatest offenses in the world. But don't think that these games just mean these offenses suck. Like these are two yeah. pretty good defenses. Um. Man, do you remember the year 2007 where Illinois went to the Rose Bowl? No, I don't remember that. And played USC and lost 49-17. They had Juice Williams, Rashard Mendenhall, Aurelius Ben. Like they had they had some like good players, man. Have a repeat of that. Let's Illinois go 10 and 2. They'll obviously lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten title. Let Ohio State go to the playoff and give Illinois the Rose Bowl slot. Let's do an Illinois USC rematch at the end of the year. I'm all for it, man. But um, man, honestly, after this game, I don't see really Michigan is the only other like real losable game I see because they got Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, and Northwestern. Those yeah. are the I feel like Purdue those could, could be, be wins. Purdue yeah, could be tricky. 
like the, Purdue's like that. Purdue is like the Big Ten's version of Texas Tech. Is I don't know how good they actually are, but they're a pain to play. Like Texas yeah. Tech is in every game they play, and they, they may not like look good doing it, but they just find ways to be in every game. That's yeah. Purdue. So, but let's go to the break. And on the other side, we've still got we've still got a good slate to get to. Utah, USC, Clemson, Florida State. We've got the stupidest game of the weekend probably in LSU and Florida. That one's going to get sideways <laughs> in some weird way. But <laughs> we'll hit all that after the break. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the second half of our week seven preview here at the goal line stand. You know, we it's been a jam-packed episode, and we still got plenty of good games to get to. We just left off, you know, just to recap so far, me and Kobe both have Bama. We split on Michigan-Penn State and split on TCU-Oklahoma State, but we've been in lockstep since. We both got NC State. We both got Rock Chalk Jayhawk, and we both got Minnesota beating Illinois. So, now let's take a trip to Tallahassee. And I, I talked earlier that there was a game here that the, the spread just – it really pops out to you. Like, it just stands out. Clemson, I think – are they number four now or is they number five? I, they're number four or five. But um, – Number four. Yeah. They, they're they taking on the Florida State team that has lost two in a row, one by double digits to Wake Forest and one in a game where they couldn't score against NC State in the second half and lost to their backup quarterback who didn't complete a pass. And they're only three-point favorites on the road, which kind of raises your eyebrow a little bit. But to me, this game boils down to two people coming back, Xavier Thomas, Brian Brzee. Is, is, has DJU been maybe as good as the numbers suggest he has been? Because I don't know if you've seen this. He leads – or pro football focused has him the top passer in terms of big-time throws. He's made the most big-time throws in college football this year. Again, take that with what you will. PFF's not perfect. So, um, I, I I just don't know how does Florida State win this game. I, I just – I don't – I just don't see a scenario in which – unless Clemson just comes out and turns the ball over a bunch and gives Florida State sh- uh, short field. Like, I, I just – I don't think Florida State can block them up front. Florida State's receivers have been a little bit better than I've expected, but I don't, I just don't think – like, Wake Forest has the best pair of receivers in that – or the best set of receivers in the ACC, and they challenged Clemson's DBs. NC State couldn't. Like, they, they just could not get down the field and do anything. And then, you know, Boston College is whatever. But I just don't think Florida State has enough guys to challenge Clemson's secondary, which I do think can be had against the proper opponent, which is, again, why I think it would be interesting if they played North Carolina in the ACC championship game. But we'll save that for a different time. Give, give me Clemson, and I will go on the record and say give me Clemson by double digits. I, I think it's – I don't think Florida State scores much in this game. I like it being 27-14 to 14 type game. I've been high on Florida State all year, man. I got to go Clemson with this one just because they're having issues at depth on the offensive line. They're having issues at depth on the defense side of the football. But don't get me wrong. These teams match up very easily both when healthy because Florida State, we've seen them pull off big games. We've seen them win big games, but they just don't have the depth that Clemson has. And this is the first time we're going to see that entire Clemson D-line healthy. We saw Xavier Thomas last week only played six plays came away with like two sacks and whatever else. I mean, brother, they are loaded. Brian Brzee, KJ Henry, all those guys. But I think we're not talking about this enough. I don't like Clemson big necessarily like you do 
because Florida State still got that running game. They got three guys. They got a three-headed monster in their running game. They can at least control the tempo of the game enough to try and keep Clemson's offense off the field. So I think that's what they're going to bank on. They're going to have to scheme around uh, their – they're going to have to scheme around their passing – their pass blocking. They're going to have to make good plays. They're not going to – they can't turn the ball over, and that's the thing. It's going to be a very interesting game. Honestly, I don't know what to do with it because my heart tells me to go with Florida State, but just because of that lack of depth, I got to go Clemson, but I don't think it's going to be Clemson as big as you think it is. I think Florida State's running game can keep them in the game for a little while until Clemson just absolutely blows the doors off the place. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say the home field advantage c- could be very helpful. Like, I'm sure that place is going to be crazy. Oh, Tallahassee is going to be rocking, dude. Yeah, it, it's going to be probably the second best game day atmosphere af- after Knoxville on Saturday. But I just don't see them being able to score enough points and being able to block Clemson up front. To me, and that's yeah. the thing with most teams that, that are in the ACC is just can you block them for a little bit? If not, you you don't have a chance. So yeah. The other primetime, because the the, eight, the 7.30, 8 o'clock games are a little lackluster outside of these two, but let's get to the other meaningful one. And we've had it circled since the beginning of the year, maybe lost a little bit of luster because a certain team has lost a couple games. But USC and Utah, this is a game I've had circled, not just as a game of the Pac-12. It's just this is, to me, where USC super gets tested. I keep hinting at, hey, you know, Going on the road playing Oregon State, that's a pretty good Oregon State team. USC struggled a little bit. Like Caleb Williams in two out of his last three starts has not been great. Um, you know, they they struggled a little bit against Washington State last week, but Travis Dye has stepped up. He has been a horse carrying the ball. USC's defense creates turnovers. It hasn't been quite as bad as I thought, but there are some numbers that suggest they're not that great either. No. Utah is going to come physical and come running downhill at USC, and they're going to have to be ready. This is the type of offense that can beat USC. But let me say this. I, I hinted at it last week while I picked UCLA. I, I don't think this Utah defense is that good. And I started thinking this a little bit in that first game when Anthony Richardson is making all those plays as a dual threat no. and Maybe not necessarily throwing the ball, but he made a ton of plays on the ground. And Florida's offense moved the ball. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just first game. They're on the road. You didn't know what – it's Napier's first game. You didn't know what you were going to get out of Richardson. And he is a talented guy. All that, He's inconsistent as hell, but he's talented. Yeah. So, But, you know, they've given up yards to – like Oregon State moved the ball on Utah. They just – Oregon State is like the worst team ever finishing drive – well, not the worst team, but they they cannot finish drives and they have a turnover problem. Other than that, they're, they're really good. But um, – Give me USC in this one. I, I And I feel this is the first time I feel comfortable poking my chest out and picking USC. I, I've been hesitant with it. I still don't know that they're a top four team quite yet. But if you want to take a step and show to me that you can be, you need to win this game. And Kyle, Kyle Whittingham at Utah, they are really, really, really hard to beat in Utah. That they are. They have people. I, that's one of the more underrated home field advantages because people just overlook the Pac-12 and fans don't show up. Though those fans show up, and you yeah. saw it a little bit last year when Oregon come in there and 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 got their got their butt kicked um, last year. So it's going to be a tough environment. I think it's going to be a, a close game, but I, I think USC's offense will find a way to move the ball against the Utah secondary that is very suspect. Yeah, we've been we've been banking on this game. This is probably one of the more anticipated games uh, since the pre since the preseason. 
just because we knew these two teams were going to be at the top of their class in the Pac-12. Now, we still got UCLA up there. They're still making strides. But these two, this right here could really determine the Pac-12, like determine what team goes to the Pac-12 championship. Because here's the thing. If Utah wins this game, their destinies are still well in front of them. Mm-hmm. If USC, like, I don't know. It, if USC, it's going to be – You said, right, go ahead. I was just to say, if USC wins this game, then it's going to be a, a race to the showdown in L.A. because yeah. USC's next three games are Arizona, Colorado, Cal. Yeah. Give me USC. I have questions about both of these teams, but I just don't see Utah winning in a shootout against this USC offense. I just can't see it. The USC, they just have too many weapons. If everybody's healthy, I, I'm assuming Jordan Addison's going to be healthy. I haven't heard much out of him. I haven't seen anything. I'm assuming he is, but again. That, but I even mean, then, they still got Travis Dye, Mario Williams. They still got dudes all over the place. Give me USC. But if Utah finds a way to win this game, it would not surprise me one nope. bit. Nope. I think these teams are very evenly matched up. Um, I think between these two teams and UCLA – we're gonna we're gonna know who's really at the head of the pack in the Pac-12. Yeah, and you know, there's the, it's been a trial. It's it's been a busy few weeks for the Pac-12, and it continues next week because there's two teams off this week. US UCLA and Oregon don't play this week. They got Chip Kelly's return to Eugene next week, so that yeah. that's gonna be a big one as well. So, and that's what I was gonna say. Don't forget about Oregon now. Like, yeah. don't they They're probably have the good best, football right now? Yeah, they probably have the best defense in the Pac-12, in my opinion. Um, USC. Really? Yeah, USC's gets a lot of attention and stuff, but on a down-to-down basis without turnover, like I just don't know how how long you can create these type of turnovers. And, and the offenses yeah. USC has played, you know, Oregon State, like we mentioned, pretty solid, but they have a turnover problem. Yeah. Washington State is sort of the same way. It's like th- this is going to be where you really find out about USC's defense. And then I- I'm really excited to watch this game. And, again, you know, this the, the eight o'clock slate is perfect for the two TV setup because all you need to be watching mostly is USC, Utah, Clemson, Florida State. You know, maybe check in on some other stuff, but th- those are going to be the two main games. So, two games to go, both SEC clashes, and one of them is just like my ultimate. Like, I, I'm all over Mississippi State. I've not been on this Kentucky team. I don't know why this team is still ranked. I just, yeah. I. It makes no sense. They lost to a bad South Carolina team last week, and yet, and yet, they find a way to stay ranked, which I don't know. I'm I'm assuming Will Levis is back for this one, um, which honestly, as much as I've ragged on him after watching Kentucky's backup quarterback play last week, Will Levis makes the difference on this team. Like, it's it's pretty significant difference. But my biggest thing with Kentucky for a lot of seasons, their offensive line is just not that good. You know, you think of those teams under Mark Stoops like we've seen them. Their offensive line is usually pretty good. It's not. It's not at all. Um, and I do think now this is potentially a letdown spot. Mississippi State's kind of getting some love now. They got a big game against Alabama next week. Could they get caught looking ahead? It's in Lexington. So that that does scare me a tad. I think this game could – I think Mississippi State could start out slow a little bit, but – I'm not picking Kentucky to beat Mississippi State. No way, no how. Um, give me Will Rogers. He's top. He's a top three quarterback in the SEC. Give me the Bulldogs. Yeah, give me give me Mississippi State. It's not even close. I'm with you. I don't know why Kentucky is still ranked. If I'm being honest with you, 
and maybe this is just me and my SEC West bias coming out. I think it's because they need teams like Kentucky to be ranked because in the SEC East, there's nobody outside of Tennessee and Georgia. Georgia still has to play Kentucky. Georgia's honestly, Georgia's schedule is not all that outside of Tennessee and Kentucky. There's nobody. And if you take away Kentucky and they're not ranked, that means out of what Oregon and Tennessee, those are the only two ranked teams Georgia has good wins against, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's the only reason they're ranked because they need a team like Kentucky to be ranked in the SEC. They still got to go to Starkville. Don't forget that now. I forget they play Mississippi State. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So that they, and it's right after the game against Tennessee, which is why I've always said circle that one. We'll, we'll get them later in the year, but yeah, it's just, I don't know why Kentucky still ranked. I don't believe in Will Levis at all. I mean, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. It is embarrassing that they are hyping this. It just seems like they're just trying to find that one guy that, oh, we're we're gonna predict we're gonna predict he's gonna have do well, get drafted high, be a good NFL quarterback. And if it hits, we're geniuses. If it doesn't hit, oh well. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. It, there's it, always it, that one quarterback. Like Josh, it, it's like Josh Allen. Like I and I say this is I was so wrong on Josh Allen, it's not even funny. I thought Josh Allen was gonna be terrible because it yeah. Josh Allen was never good in high school or college is the crazy yeah. thing. And then all of a sudden he gets to the NFL and he's one of the best players in the league, if not the best yeah. player in the league. I, it's just, I don't know what you do with Will Levis. Yes. Some of the measurables are there, but it's just like, if your only explanation for why you think somebody might be good as well, this other guy wasn't that good. So he could be good. That's not an explanation. That's just guessing. So I'm tired. I'm tired of Kentucky. I And I, I like the program. I like Mark Stitch. I'm just, I don't know why they're ranked. I don't I, I don't know why they were seventh a couple weeks ago. I know they were undefeated, but I don't think this is a top 40 team. And no. I don't understand why they're ranked at 22. And I'm guessing if they lose close, they'll drop to 25. <laughs> let me let me ask you. I think we joked about this last weekend. Whose college career are you taking? Kyle Trask or Will Levis? Kyle Trask. It's not even close. Like exactly. It's not- now, does Will Levis have more measurables for the pros, and do, could he work out better in the NFL? Yeah, because like Kyle Kyle Trask is out there throwing paper airplanes. Like he just doesn't have any. He doesn't have any arm strength, man. He just. But it's and I think some of it was Dan Mullen, but like Kyle Trask yeah. put up. He was Heisman finalist. I mean, like, yeah. did he benefit from having Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony? Yeah, but uh, give me Kyle Trask all day. And I mean, and he gets, he, he doesn't even have to ride the bench for Tampa Bay, a Super Bowl contender. He's, he's third string and Blaine Gabbert's back up there. He ain't got to do nothing. Yeah. I'll take that career. <laughs> so it's just, Will Levis, I just don't believe him at all. Now, Will Rogers, on the other hand, that brother is a dog. He's going to air it out. And maybe it's just a testament to how good of a play caller Mike Leach is. Well, and one of the reasons I like Mississippi State going into the years, like you can look at the stat, you know, this is Leach's third year at, with the Bulldogs. Every time he gets to his third season, whether it's with Washington state or, you know, Texas tech or, or whatever, it's that that's the year they take a jump. And Will, Will Rogers has, he's been the starter for a couple of years. And, you know, when he's had Graham Harrell or some other guys at Washington state, cause Minshew wasn't a three-year starter, but he was still good. Yeah. That's when things start clicking, you know, the whole playbook, you know, everything, you know, that what Leach wants you to do with the ball, where to go. That that's one of the reasons I was high on them, and like Will Rogers, it's just seamless. Like he's three hundred. He 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 closes his eyes and throws for three fifty. Probably it's they don't. That's just what they do. Now I'm a little bit worried about a letdown spot, like I said, because they've been playing pretty well. 
Um, the game's in Lexington, and they play Mississippi, and they play Alabama next week, so it could be a look head spot. But I mean, I don't have it. There's no other reason for the on, on the field reason to pick Kentucky, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we also thought thought the same thing about Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? True. Um, Last game, I, I have I I don't know what to do with this. Uh, so LSU and Florida is. They're both come like LSU is coming off just an ugly loss to to Tennessee. Just they, you know, first, first uh, kickoff of the game, they fumbled the ball. Tennessee got the ball scored, and it was just a, it was a downhill slide from there. So you're getting a matchup of two quarterbacks that are like enigmas, like that you don't know what you're going to get from them from game to game. Jaden Daniels and Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson could look like he did against South Florida and just not be very good, or you could get the 400 yards passing version that he did against Tennessee or the dynamic dual threat version you got against Utah where he's making plays on the ground. I don't really – the game's in Gainesville. I'm going to pick Florida. My confidence level is a zero. I've always liked LSU's front seven, but, you know, LSU has – in games they – played a decent team they haven't looked good like i know the the score against florida state was close florida state dominated that game for most of the time and then they got stupid late fumbling at the one yard line and then letting lsu go driving like i know they beat mississippi state but like that's looking flukier by the day it's it whoever wins this game it wouldn't shock me um it would kind of shock me if one of them got blown out. Like, I don't see that happening just because, like, the incompetence of both of them is kind of just too high for that. But give me Florida. I trust Napier at home more than I – and here, here's something I, I don't know if you've thought about for this game is, you know, Napier was the coach at Louisiana for a while, and it was always rumored the job he wanted was the LSU job, but the AD at LSU wouldn't really give him a look because LSU has thought of this high job. I'm not hiring a coach at Louisiana – Florida hired him. He went and hired Brian Kelly. A little Billy Napier revenge here. I don't know. There's just something I've been thinking about, you know, because that's by everything I I read about Napier wanting jobs and stuff. It was he wants that LSU job, and LSU is one of the best jobs on the market when it's available. So I don't know. It's something interesting to think about. Honestly, uh, me and some of my buddies were in a group chat texting about this game. I sat there and said, "What are y'all thinking about Florida and LSU this weekend?" He said. We'll go ahead and flip a coin and then pick the opposite of whatever it lands on. Like, you don't know who's going to win this game. Like, honestly, I'm going to take Florida. I think Anthony Richardson is the better quarterback. I think uh, we joked about this. It comes down to whatever quarterback has the most rushing guards in the game. Uh, neither one of them have good weapons at receiver. I trust. I think I trust Florida's running game a little more. I think uh, with ETN – and uh, Montreal Johnson and all that. I think they have a little bit of a better running game. I think LSU's defense might give them more problems, though, because Anthony Richardson, when he panics, he panics. You get him rolling out of the pocket, he's that's when the turnovers and bad plays start happening. Whereas Jaden Daniels, we've seen him get pressured a lot, but he can just take off and run it, and he trusts himself to get the first down and make plays. So it's going to be very, very interesting to watch this game. Um, but give me Florida at home, I think – I have more faith in Billy Napier than I have in Brian Kelly. I'm going to throw you a curveball here, and we're going to have a bonus pick. Best game of the year on Sunday in the NFL between the two best teams in the NFL. I have to throw it in there. The Chiefs and the Bills in Kansas City. Who wins? 
Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. Yes, sir. I mean, I, if I'm I, being I, honest I, with you, everybody's like, oh, they lost Tyreek Hill, blah, 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 blah. The Chiefs, matter. until somebody knocks them off their pedestal, I mean, I there's no reason not to pick Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and this is a college football podcast. I won't go too long on this, but like, you know, when they got down 17 to nothing against the Raiders Monday night, I thought, okay, I thought the same as, you know, when in their prime, the goal, like the Golden State Warriors would get down big. It's like, yeah, they've got Curry, Clay, and all those guys. Like a 25 point deficit's nothing. That's what I thought. Like, if, if you think 17 points is a lot against Patrick Mahomes, you ain't been paying yeah. attention. Like, it's, it can change in a snap like that, but just a super fun weekend of football. I had to throw that game in there because, as a big NFL fan myself, I can't wait for that game Sunday. But any final thoughts before we get out of here? Loaded. Well, hey, week seven starts tonight, by the way. West Virginia Baylor is tonight, everybody. So it's it's a game both teams need to win. Like Baylor come into the year with high expectations. They haven't quite met him. Neil Brown is forever on the hot seat. Every he's like Brian Horse. It will not know he's not quite like Brian Horse, but it feels like every week we're playing that is Neil Brown gonna get fired this week. So I, I don't it's know. It's kind of like how we looked at Scott Frost for a while. Yeah, it's like, is this the week Neil Brown gets yeah. fired? And I guess I'll end the show with this. Is this the week Brian Harson gets fired? <laughs> honestly, no. I, honestly, there's some people in the in the Auburn program that are saying he's already been fired. It's just a matter of waiting for the right game. I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke to you. I heard somebody. I, I don't remember who it was last week. That you know the point about the interim coaches being undefeated last week. You know Brent yep. Key winning at Georgia Tech, Arizona State wins. Like not not every interim coach won. Brian Harson lost. So. <laughs> longest tenured interim coach we've ever seen (laughs) right so uh, man that's just a man what on one of these recap episodes we'll be just watching the like the breaking news it's gonna happen when we're doing in the middle of an episode i'm telling you I've, i've already envisioned that podcast we'll be in the middle of recapping somebody beating somebody and oh brian harson's fired so but i don't have any more thoughts do you got anything else kobe no man it's gonna be another fun weekend of football uh, I'm I'm dreading how I'm going to be feeling on Sunday morning. Whenever this we is more stressful for you than it is me. Yeah. You know, take off this weekend. Like I don't. Y'all have probably been paying attention. There's no been no Georgia Tech talk. There hasn't. You know, I, I, there's not really anything for me to plug over at All Yellow Jackets. You know, I put some stuff up yesterday. Basketball media days were yesterday. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it over to Charlotte. But it, go check all that out. But no games this week. Um, they got Virginia in a big tilt next Thursday, so we'll we'll come to you before next Thursday. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be stressful. I might you might be receiving a call from me Saturday oh, night. I'm, I'm anticipating. It. I don't hear from you. It's gonna be either you passed out from happiness, or I need to send somebody to find you. Send out the Amber Alert, brother. I'm That's what we're doing. But all right, that is Kobe Reed. I'm Jackson Caldwell. This is the Goal Line Stand. We are out.